Hey everyone, welcome to The Ascent. We're so happy that you're here. We're gonna jump into worship in just a moment, but if I could just grab your ear for just a second and uh, lay before you a conviction that's been on my heart recently. Um, the other day I was reading the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and for defying the idolatry of the government, they're being threatened to being thrown into a fiery furnace where they would surely be killed. And in a moment, right before they're about to be thrown in, they defiantly say, we will not bow down for our God can and our God will save us. But then most notably, they go on and they say, but even if he doesn't, we will not bow down. Wherever you're coming from today in a crazy and uncertain world, what if that was the positioning of our hearts? God, I know that you can and I know that you will, but even if you don't, my praise for you will not stop so that even in the season that feels dry, even in the season that feels void of breakthrough, my praise for you will never end. That reorients our hearts away from being focused on what we want and towards saying, Lord, whatever you will, give it to me. Whatever you will, I wanna run into it, Lord. Whatever you will, I trust you, for you are good. That's a really hard pill to swallow sometimes, but if we can reorient our hearts to saying, even when I don't know what's going on right now, even if I can't understand, even if I think this is wrong, I know that there is a good God behind it all. So that even if he doesn't do what I want, even if he doesn't do what I ask, I know that he is good and that he is for me and that my God is the God of all. So we're gonna worship, but I just wanna leave you with a quote to keep in the back of your mind from a very wise pastor in the United States, Timothy Keller, who says, if we knew all that God knows, we would ask for exactly what he gives. Peace be No power in hell. 
can take my hallelujah nothing can take my hallelujah shadows will fade darkness will break i'll keep on singing your praise nothing can take my hallelujah nothing can take my hallelujah shadows will fade darkness will break i'll keep on singing your praise nothing can take Hey everyone, welcome to our online series. If you have been tracking with us for a while now or are brand new to the Ascent community, I'm so glad you found us because even though we can't meet in person, it is so important to keep engaging as a community and worshiping and learning together. And I know how hard and discouraging it is and has been to keep growing our faith without community around us. But in the season, I think that we are learning to take ownership of our faith and learning how to put practices in place to worship and encounter God at home. I think for so many of us, encountering God at home is hard because we have this small and limited awareness of who God is and are so consumed in culture that our cultural view of God has taken over and we've missed a huge part of who he actually is. And what we've done culturally is like this. You see, I love Audrey Hepburn. I love her so much that I have a painting of her above my bed. And you probably know the name of this mid 20th century actress. Uh, some of her biggest roles were Breakfast at Tiffany's or Roman Holiday and Sabrina. And maybe you're not into those classics, but in her time, she was a film and fashion icon. Like she was the person you wanted to be or you want to be with. She was beautiful, she was classy, she was famous and wealthy. And for a long time, that's all I knew of her. But then one night after watching one of her movies, I wanted to know a bit more about her life and who she was. And I found out that she dedicated a huge portion of her life to humanitarian aid. And so while I assume that she spent her life on film sets and in her fancy home and traveling around the world, she was walking straight into war and famine with a mandate to bring water, food, and hope to people. Yet I never saw any of that. Before, I only cared to find out more about her fame and her movies, and she was really just a product of who I wanted her to be. I had sanitized her. I would limited her to just a famous actress. And I knew her for her quotes like, Paris is always a good idea, and the most important thing is to enjoy your life, to be happy, it's all that matters. Yet she also said, the third world is a term I don't like very much, because we're all one world. I want people to know that the largest part of humanity is suffering. I don't believe in collective guilt, but I do believe in collective responsibility. For so long, I limited Audrey Hepburn's character, and I chose a few quotes to know her by, yet how much more have I limited God's? 
How much more have I chosen a few verses to know God by and have just totally ignored the rest? You see, often in our cultural view of God, we sanitize him. We limit him to whoever we want him to be. We don't actually know him and we don't actually take the time to know him. Often we think of God as this tame old man. He's kind and gentle, yet in being kind, he's almost passive. He never gets angry, never raises his voice. He's wise and all-knowing, but irrelevant like a grandparent fiddling around trying to use TikTok. He's like Mr. Rogers with a beard or Mother Teresa. In all though, we just kind of see him as boring. Yet pick up scripture and read just one book in the Bible. And once we're willing to put away all of our assumptions and the sanitized version that we have created of a God who only ever said John 3.16, we're going to find a much different image of God. Think of the story in the Gospels of Mark and Matthew. When Jesus visited the temple and saw that it had become more about profit and power than the presence of God, what did Jesus do? Did he go away and pray about it? Did he go and say, ah, someone else will deal with it? Did he post a picture on Instagram with a five paragraph rant? No, he went and he overturned the seller's tables. This story alone tells us that he is anything but passive. He isn't quiet. He doesn't just sit in a corner looking all wise but not actually taking action. He isn't just a wizard behind a curtain or a genie chained to a lamp. We read this in scripture. In Isaiah 42:13. it says, The Lord will march out like a champion. Like a warrior, he will stir up his zeal. With a shout, he will raise the battle cry and will triumph over his enemies. Hosea 11:10. They'll turn back to me. He'll roar like a lion. And when he roars, his children will scurry from the west. Romans 5, 8. But Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. Hebrews 12, 28. And let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. And 1 John 2, 1. If any believer does sin, we have a high-powered defense lawyer, Jesus the anointed, the righteous, arguing on our behalf. What I see in these verses is that God is a roaring advocate, shouting at the brokenness and evil in humanity to bring justice to his children. I see that God is a victorious warrior who takes risks and never backs away from a fight. Nothing scares him and he enters every battle with confidence knowing that he has the power to defeat the greatest enemy. From scripture, I see that he is insanely passionate about his people and proved it to us by sacrificing himself so that we might be free. And what I see from this challenges everything that our society thinks of God. What I see from this is that our God is wild. It's like when Susan in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe hears that Aslan is a lion and asks Mr. Beaver, is he safe? And Mr. Beaver says, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he is good. He is the king. Our God is so good, but he's also king. And he also has an untamable, wild attribute to him. As Christians, we've often struggled with this balance of knowing God as good, as a father and a friend, which are attributes that preach well and often we desire and they're not wrong. But we struggle balancing that with knowing God as one who is to be feared. Scripture often confuses us in this as we read verses like in uh, Nehemiah 1.11. 
O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name. Or in Proverbs 1, 7, where it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 28, 14 says, blessed is the one who fears the Lord always. In scripture, we see that understanding God's character and fearing him is the beginning of knowledge. That it is possible to delight in fearing God and that those who fear God are blessed. Yet it's still so confusing because what does it mean to fear? Because to us, fear is a bad emotion. It's something that we run from and avoid as much as possible. So in understanding what these verses mean, sometimes people will change fear to respect or simply to be in awe of God. But again, if we're trying to avoid limiting our faith and who God is, we have to look at it without sanitizing it. And if you're confused by it, I get it. Because for so long, I have struggled with really understanding what it means to fear God. But then a friend of mine showed me the most accurate picture to describe it. It was this past summer when I went to Canmore. And if you watched our first episode of Roaring Twenties, you would have heard all about how my friend loves the mountains and is really into hiking and climbing. Um, well, I just like looking at the mountains uh, and just like to leave it there. But even if I don't care to hike much, there is something magnificent about mountains. And my friend reminded me of this while we were driving to a hike. And we were talking about some of the dangers that come with hiking and rock climbing. And after talking about all the excitement but danger that she has experienced in the mountains, she remarks, that is why you must fear the mountains. And I said, what do you mean fear the mountains? You love the mountains. You go hiking and rock climbing every chance you get. You love the adrenaline and adventure. How can you fear something you love? And she went on to explain how the mountains demand to be revered. They are so large and powerful, she says, it's impossible to explore every inch of them because they are more than what's just on the surface. In a moment, you can be hiking and a rock can fall on you or you can slip or lose your grip. You can lose your life in an instant and they have the power to do that. But if you know how to climb them, if you're willing to take the risk with them, they invite you to explore them and give you the greatest joy and most breathtaking experience. And I sat there as she was saying these things and I was speechless because although she was talking about mountains, she might as well have been talking about God. Coming into relationship with God is like standing at the bottom of a mountain. He's larger and greater than we could ever comprehend. It's impossible to fully know him, yet he invites us to join him and explore. And when we do so, he promises to show us more of himself. He's all powerful and has the power to destroy, yet he puts everything into destroying death and sin and the enemy. Our God is to be feared because he is wild and roars like a lion. He's a warrior who never loses and is incredibly zealous. But the thing is, he's roaring for you. He's a warrior for you. He's zealous for you. He's wild and untamable, yet uses the wild character to fight for you. It's used to advocate for you, to provide for you, to command the angel armies to fight on your behalf. Yes, God is dangerous, but he's truly dangerous to the enemy because God would do anything to protect you. Yes, God is to be feared, but feared like a mountain that is really inviting you to explore more of who he is. And together as a community, we want to explore more of God. We want to know this wild side of him. We refuse to allow this season to dull our faith, but to actually create more passion within us. So last week, we talked about priorities in our lives. And for the next month, as the Ascent community, we want to make our priority to know more of God, to take time in scripture, to worship, to pray. 
So starting tomorrow, we're going to be releasing the Ascent devotional every morning on our IGTV. We're saying, you know what? First thing in the morning, the first part of my day, I'm going to pour out my time and energy to invest in my relationship with God. And it will take discipline. Even though the devotionals are only five minutes, even taking five minutes for God can be a challenge. But like the cup and water illustration from last week, when we start with pouring our time into God, that pours into the rest of our lives. So let's start together. Let's encounter God at home together. It just takes one step at a time, one step to climbing that mountain and exploring the wild heart of God.